theyeshiva.net. Okay, we're going to start today, Bezer Hashem, a new mimer. It's Sois Tosses Vesagil HaKara, which, as you know, is one of the Sheva Brachas. Since we're getting ready to Tuba Av, Lehoi Yamam Tavim Leisaka Chamesh Asabav, Day of Shaduchim, of relationships, as the Mishnah says at the end of Tainas. So it's Parshish Tazriya. It's fine. Parshish Tazriya, Dav Chaf Ahmed Aleph. Let me see the English paper. So you have to go basically to the Vayikra, which is the first, the first unit, thank you, the first unit of the Sefer. And you're looking for page, page 39. The first unit of the book, page 39, it's Tazriya Chaf Ahmed Aleph. Page 39, but you make sure you're in Vayikra. You've got to go to the first unit. I'm sorry for repeating this. In Lakuta Torah, the units of numbers repeat themselves with every Chumash. So when you say page 39, there's a page 39 in Vayikra, in Bamidbar, in Dvarim, and in Shir Hashirim. So it could be three different page 39s. There's no Bracious in Shemites? That's Torah Ur. It's Torah Ur. The reason it has a different name is because the government closed down the printing press. And they weren't allowed to, if it would have the same name, they would never be able to get permission. So it was a way of, uh, same safe, huh? it's, it's, it's the same safer, of course. It's okay. Balatanya is my mara. So why was the name changed? Simply for uh, to get around. Torah only Kutar is really one safer. It's just, it's just different parts of Chumash. Torah is Bereshish Mois. And then Lukut Torah starts Pekudeh and goes Vayikra, Bamid Badvarim. And each one has the Yamam Taivim of that. And this has Pesach, Shavuos, Shashanim, Kippasukas. But this also has Shir Hashirim, a whole section of Shir Hashirim at the end. Okay, so you got it? Huh? How many years was it between two printers? A big gap, no? Torah is Tov Tov Tzadik Zayin, which is uh, 1837. Lakuta Torah is Tafresh Ches, which is 1848. A decade later. There was a big tzad, it was printed in Slavita, they closed it down, it was a whole, uh, you know, Tsarist Russia at its best. Federal government. Huh? Federal government. Russia was something unique. Okay. So Davchaf, you see, Ahmed Aleph, page thirty-nine, Tazria. The Maimer begins: Sois Tosis v'Sagil Ha'Akara, v'Kibutz Banahal l'Soicha b'Simcha. Now, today, when people usually write Torah, they always write a date on the top. Then then a lot of people didn't see that as very significant, right? Just like we did, did hold on to birthdays and uh, a lot of the details that we would find very interesting, right? Like the Ramban wrote a Pirush on Gemara, yeah? Like he wouldn't write on top, okay, I'm writing, you know, Monday morning, Parshas Pkudei, I'm here, I'm enjoying the weather in Barcelona. You went went straight to the Teuchen, not to the the shells. (laughs) 
But the Tzemach Tzedek was very makbid on his grandfather's dates, because he had obviously had a special feeling. So sometimes in his writings, he quotes discourses from Hazeda, and he says, like we heard from him then and then. So this Mimer, for example, we're going to learn, we wouldn't know the date. We know it's Sois Tosas Vesogel But the Tzemach Tzedek has a Sefer Derech Mitzvah Secha. The Tzemach Tzedek is the grandson of the Balatanya. So he says, like we heard from my grandfather in the winter of Tovkov Ayin Beis, at the wedding of my brother-in-law, Reb Nachem, the Maimer on Sois Tosas Vesogel Hakar. So basically we have a date for it. So the winter of Tovkov Ayin Beis would be the winter of 1811, or the beginning of 1812. And it's significant because this would be the last year of the Balatanya because he would pass away. He would pass away in the winter of 1812. 1812 or 1822. So probably in the secular number would be 1812. I don't think it was 1813 yet because the Russian calendar, you know, is a little uh, whatever. So so this was a winter before. Uh, the Mittler Rebbe, who was Balatanya's son and his successor, had a son, Reb Nochem, and at his wedding, Balatanya said this mimer, just like we learned the mimer, Ketzad Merakdin Lifne Hakala, which was said at a wedding of his grandchild, with the grandson of the grandchild of Rebbe Yitzchak Barditchever, the Shlob and and this was said at the wedding of his grandson, and it begins with one of the Sheva Brachas. Sois Tassis Vesagala Hakara, Bekibbutz Banal, Lesaycha Besimcha. So this is the Nusach of Sheva Brachas. Now let's understand what it means in Pashtos. Sois Tosis Vesagil HaKara. Sois comes from the word Sosain, joy, festivity, happiness, gayliness. So Sois Tosis Vesagil HaKara. The HaKara, the, the barren woman, the infertile woman, will, will rejoice and celebrate. B'kibbutz banel As her children gather together to her with joy. So we say, Hashem is with her children. So it seems like Yerushalayim would be a metaphor for the Akara, for the infertile woman. And then when the children come to her, it's such a simcha by this person who never expected to have children and to see children. And that's the blessing we're saying at Sheva Brachas. But the MS is that in Lashon Kaidish, the word Tosis, like Sois Tosis, has two Pirushim. Ha'alef, there's going to be a little diktuk. Lashon Poyal Oimed, Vekai Al Ha'akara, Vesosis Lashon Nekeva, Sha'akara Tosis Ba'atzma Vetagel Bekibbutz Banal. Vahabez Lashon Poyal Yoitse, Vekai Al Akadish Baruchu, Shaim Al Akadish Baruchu, Lenoich Ata Tosis is Ha'akara. You remember your diktuk, Hebrew diktuk classes in grade 5? Transitive verb versus intransitive verb. Huh? A transitive verb. Transitive versus verb versus an intransitive verb. verb. I'll explain what he means. One is tasis as poyal oimet, meaning you're referring to the woman. You're saying sois tasis ha'akara. Tasis ha'akara. The akara should rejoice. Sois Tosis, she should rejoice. In other words, she should rejoice in herself. She should be happy because her children gather to her. That would be called Poyal Oimet. Sois Tosis can also refer, speaking to Hashem, you, Sois Tosis, you, Tosis Hakara, you should bring joy to the Hakara. 
Either it's referring to the Akara herself, so it's Akara. She should become happy, she should celebrate. Or, like we say in Lachadoidi, for example, Right? So here we're turning to Hashem and we're saying, Tosis HaAkara. You should bring Simcha to the Akara. You should bring joy to the Akara. And therefore, B'meila, V'sagil HaAkara. When you'll bring Sasa to her, so therefore the Akara will be joyous. And he adds, because Noichach L'Zachar is Shava with Lashon Nekev and Hysteris. You know what that means? That means Zachar second person, masculine second person in Hebrew grammar is identical with feminine third person. Right? For example, Noichach Zachar means when I'm doing second person masculine. So for example, I'm talking to you in front of you. Not he, but you. That's called Noichach, second person. So that in Diktuk is the same like when feminine nisteris, which is third person, when you're talking about somebody who's not here. Yes, yes. So let's say I say, uh, we say in the Enkelekeinu, right? Ata sakum terachim So I say, at takum. What does takum mean? Stand up. But takum can also be, she should stand up. Like he takum. Huh? Rabbis machshavis belevish, vatsas Hashem, he sakum. Yeah, I once asked a Yid if he helps his wife during the night when the new baby cries because they had twins or triplets. So he said he's Mekayim the Tzivu Yaposik. Tzivu Yaposik is the baby starts crying. So he wakes up, says, Rabbis Machshavas Belevish. I have lots of good thoughts to help. But Vatsas Hashem, the way God made it is he sucked She should get up. This was his uh, Shalom Bayez Pshat. I'm not sure how much it helped him, but uh, for a pshat in Sukkot Zimra, maybe it was a good pshat. So, you, so what is it? So when I say takum, right? Or again, teilech. What's teilech? Go. Tamoid. Stand up. So this is Lashen Zachar Noichach. Okay? Second person. But it's the same like Lashen Nekev and Nisteris, third person. Right? She's Tamoid. She. Takum. She should stand up. She should walk. She, so here too. Tosis. It's a future. Huh? It's a future. So Tosis is the same thing. Tosis, I could be speaking, I could say Tosis, as in third person feminine, the Akara should, should be joyous. Or I'm speaking to Hashem as in second person and saying, you Tosis. So it's Tosis, you should make her happy. It's called Poyal Oymet versus Poyal Yez. to understand this. Yesh lahaktim tchila biyur ingin v'sagil ha'akara b'kibbutz b'nah. For this we have to understand the very theme of the bracha. You're saying the Akara should celebrate the gathering of her sons. This doesn't make sense. First you're calling her on Akara. That means somebody who never had children. Suddenly she has all these children that are gathering. So it's a very strange Pasuk. If the Bana are being gathered, so she's not an Akara. You could say she used to be an Akara, but now she's a mother. So when he says, it sounds like right now she's Akara, and she's celebrating people Akara means somebody who used to be an Akara and they thought they'll never have children, and now they have children, so they become, they become happy. But when you read it, he says it's difficult to understand because it sounds like that you're calling her right now an Akara, and she's obviously not an Akara. Did they read this as a, as a chuppah? Yeah. Children gather, the souls gather under the 
Interesting. So why would you call her? So that would only make the question bigger. Why call her an Akara? Hopefully she won't be, right? Vaha'inyin, the inyin in all this is Kihine Amri Razal. Everybody knows the famous Maimon Chazal. The Gemara says, Al-Pasik, Isha ki Sazriya v'yaldo zachar. The Pasik in the beginning of Parshish Tazriya, it says, that Isha ki Tazriya v'yaldo zachar. So the Gemara says, in Meseches Nida, Isha Mazras t'chila yilad zachar. Ish Mazriyat Chila, Yeladis Nekeva. It's a very interesting interpretation in the Gemara. That if Isha Mazras Chila, if the woman generates the seed or the flow first, then she gives birth to a male. But if Ish Mazriyat Chila, if the man generates the Zara first, so then the result is a Nekeva, a girl. That's what Chazal say. Now, this is a very. Uh, Loaded Maimon Chazal, you know, what does this mean? What does it mean biologically? What does it mean factually, scientifically, so to speak? What did they mean here? But here, he applies this to the spiritual realm. To understand what this means in Avaydas Hashem. Everybody knows that Knesset Yisrael is called an Isha, a woman. And Hashem is called the Ish, is called the man. And that's why the Pasuk says, Tikri Ishi, on that day, the Navi Hosea says, You won't call me anymore, he speaks about Lasidov, you won't call me anymore, Baili, my master, you'll call me Ishi, my husband. My husband. Because Baili is like Baal, Balabayas. So Hosea prophesizes, that day, Tikri Ish, you'll call me my husband. In other words, the ultimate relationship with Hashem that the Navi predicts is when you'll be able to relate to me as your husband. Ish and Isha. So just like by a physical man and woman. Chazal tells us that when the woman generates the flow first, the conception she's going to conceive, ultimately the embryo, the fetus, is going to be a male. So same is true in the relationship between the community of Israel and Hashem. When the Isha representing Knesset Yisrael is Mazraz Tchila, she generates the Zerah first. What does this mean? Isarusa is a term from Zoyha in Aramaic. Isarusa is like Isairus, arousal. The Lasata means. Below, milmata. Isarusa de lasata means milmata lamaila. The arousal comes from below. Milmata lamaila. The woman initiates the inspiration. Knesset Yisrael initiates the relationship. She reaches out. Knesset Yisrael reaches out, is yearning, is pining to become close, to become intimate. Like it says in Bereshis, right? Hashem tells Chava, your desire, your craving will be el ishech to your husband. So spiritually it means this that sometimes the Jew, the soul, has this arousal, this inspiration, that I want to be with you, I want to be close to you. This would be physically the concept of Isha Mazras Tchila, the inspiration begins, or the arousal begins, or the flow begins from the side of the Kala, the woman, Knesset Yisrael. In Kabbalistic literature, this is known as Ha'alas, elevating, sublimating, ma- Man. Man is Rosh Mayin Nukvin, 
which is again a term in Zoyar and Kisve Harizon, there's man and mad. Mem nun is mayin nukvin, feminine waters. Mad is mayin duchrin, masculine waters. Nukvin in Aramaic is like nekeva, feminine. Duchrin or dechar in Aramaic is zachar. So mayin nukvin is feminine waters. Mayin duchrin, mad, masculine waters. And this is a Rashatevis that's often quoted in Svarim of Nister. Man and mad, feminine waters, masculine waters. What they represent in Kabbalah is the flow. Water is, of course, the orgasmic flow. So nukvin is the flow that's initiated or inspired or or um, or be- the process begins, the arousal begins from the feminine. And mayin duchrin is the water that flows from the masculine. So that's what he says. When it starts with this Arusad Lusata, Shoinyan and Yikablashan Kabbalah Bashem Halas Mayin Nukvin. It's the count of Allah's Mayin Nukvin meaning the feminine waters begin the flow. Vaakhar Kachnim Shah Isarusadilavam Shahas Mad Mayin Dukrin Azayeladizakha. And then comes the Isarusadilayla. It starts with the woman, Isha Mazrashila. And the Isarusadilasata inspires the Isarusa de la'ela. This iris from below is what initiates and brings forth this iris from above. It's the kala that brings out the chasen's inspiration. Just like it is in Gashmi, sometimes you have a matzav that the husband inspires the wife. Sometimes it's the other way around. The wife inspires the husband. Sometimes one is interested and one needs to be inspired, needs to be invigorated. This is one of the challenges in many Shalom Bayez situations, right? This perspective, that perspective, person has these interests, person has that interest, my interests are not your interests, your interests are not my interests, I tried, etc., etc. I don't have to be mad if everybody understands. So the same is true in Ruchnius. You have a concept that Isha Mazras Tchila, which is unique, that the Sarusa de Lusata, you start it from below, and then you bring forth the masculine waters. The flow of the masculine, the flow of the chosen, the flow of, of Hashem Kivayachal is a response to your excitement, to your enthusiasm, to your Simcha Sachayim, to your Dveikus. The product of that is always going to be a male. The product of that is going to be a Zachar. The Hainu, what does this mean? It's a marshal, of course. What's the Nimshah? The Hainu, the love that it's going to bring out in Hashemus Yisrael, the masculine flow that's responding to the feminine flow, what's going to be the child? The child that's born, meaning the love that is born as a result in the heart of the Jew is going to be Mepchines Tzachar, it's going to be called a Zachar Dekalov. What's Pshat a Zachar Dekalov? The Hainu Mepchines Averab. What this represents is an excessive experience of love. It's described by the Pasuk in Tehillim, This is a Pasuk in Tehillim, capital Ayin Gimel. And here, he's going to give an original interpretation to this Pasuk. Literally, the Pasuk is, What do I have in heaven? With you, I desire nothing on earth. In other words, once I have you, I don't need anything else. Mili b'ashamayim ve'imcha loy chafatzti ba'aretz. So he says, Pirush, the pshat is, 
everyone learns pshat, the imcha, with you, loichafatzti, but it's, I don't desire anything else because I have you. He says there's a deeper interpretation. Pidush, afilu masha imcha. Even the imcha I don't want. Imcha loichafatzti. Im in Hebrew means with, right? Atahalech im ploini, right? Vayakam bilam vayelech im sari mayav. Im is always with. Imcha loichafatzti. I don't want that which is with you. Imcha. Peter Shafilu Masha Imcha, which is Bikarev Lach. It's close to you, it's with you. The Gemara says, Hechech Techech is Amisecha. Amisecha is Am Sheitcha. That which, the nation that's close to you. So Imcha is that which is Karev Lach, it's close to you. What's close to you? Hainu Masha Kasuv. Davin Amalek is referring here to another Pasuk. Also in Tehillim Lamed Vav. Which many say when they put on their talis, ki imcha mekarchayim ba'archa nira er. With you is the source of life. Ki imcha. Right? Many people when they put on the, the talis, so they say, barchi nafshi, yeah. Mayakar chastuchelakim, yurbanachla. Ki imcha mekarchayim ba'archa nira er. With you is the mekarchayim. So that's imcha. That imcha. With you is the source of life because you're the source of life. That loicha fatsti. What's pshat? With you is Makar Chaim. Shaheim Chaim refers to the life of Oilam Haba. And the divine pleasure, Shenimshach Lenisham, is which comes forth to the souls in Ganadin. Where they delight on God. They have delight from relationship with Hashem. Because what happens in Ganadin is basically the Neshama comprehends. It's opened up to experiencing in a very profound and wondrous way the reality of godliness. So the tainug that the neshama has from experiencing Hashem is unparalleled. That's the tainug of Ganeid. Now it's hard for us to understand. Like the Rambam famously in his Pirush HaMashnayas describes it. He says it's like explaining to somebody who was born blind colors. It's not shayach. It's not pshat. You can't explain it well. It's not pshad that you don't bring it down well, you don't have good metaphors, or it's still abstract. The whole phenomenon, the whole mitzias, unfortunately, doesn't register by the person because they never saw. And because they never had the ability to saw and the difference of color, so you're talking mamish in a completely abstract way. They're trying to understand a concept that they can understand about other people. It's only imagining and imagination. It's very, very, very difficult. It's too abstract. It's too not real. It's not based on reality to be able to experience it. So that's how the Rambam describes. The Rambam gives another example. Somebody who was born deaf explained to them various various instruments of music and various voices of music. It's, the whole Metzius is not shaykh. It's not that they're tone deaf. It's not that they're colorblind, that they don't have a chush in it. It's that the whole Metzius is not shaykh. So the Rambam says that's how it is to explain to a person the tainug of a lakus, the tainug of a lakus in Ganeiden. Because the pleasures that we have are completely of a different caliber. But when a person, when a soul, is experiencing tainug eliki by understanding, by becoming aware according to its capacity of the divine reality, it transcends all other pleasures. So it's a tremendous tainug. Haskot muflasmoy v'im Nonetheless, ein hasagazu magas elabebchines imcha. 
Nonetheless, this hasaga of the Neshama and Gan Eden, this comprehension, only reaches Imcha, that which is with you. It's something that's ultimately tafel, secondary, subservient to you. Imcha means it's with you, it's not you. It's not you. So even Imcha, what's Imcha? Imcha mekar chayim, with you is the source of life. Which source of life? The source of life, which is chayyelam haba, of course chayyelam haza too. But even a higher source of life. Now even if I'm holding on to Imcha, what's Imcha? Imcha is you as mekar chayim, the source of life of the whole elam haba, which is a tremendous revelation of godliness that the neshama experiences and comprehends, and that is the tainug of Gan Eden. Even that Imcha I don't want, because it's not you. What's that? It's not you. Kileis machshavet fisa beikla. Because no thought can grasp him at all. This is an expression in Zayir Ela Asagosam. The comprehension of all the souls is Bibchina Zivashchina. It's only in the radiance of the Shchina, the glimmer of the Shchina, the ray of the Shchina. Like the Gemara says that in Ganadin, Elam Haba, in Brachis, Yadaf Yudzain, Sadikim Yoshvim Batre, Seyem Birashayem, Venenin, Mizivashchina. From the radiance. Ziv Vahaaraba Alma. By definition, what is a Ziv? A Ziv is a ray, it's a glimmer. And it's only a glimmer. It's a ba'alm. It's merely a glimmer. Ve'ilazayz. Therefore, David Amalek says, "Imcha loy chafatzti." I don't want imcha. I don't want that which is with you. The love is that I want to become submerged. I want to melt away in the presence of the infinite one, mamish ulishtava begufa demalka. I want to become absorbed. I want to become nishav, drawn into the guf of the malka in the very body, meaning in the very essence of the king. Not in the ray, but in the essence of the king, completely transcending the ray. Even though in this space of a relationship, you can't have the experience of sitting and enjoying the ray of the Shechina came Adirab. On the contrary, Pchina's bittel b'metzias. Here, the person's entire reality, entire identity is going to be, so to speak, it's going to melt away, or it's going to be nullified. It's going to be submerged. Just like when you have a flame and the candle has its own identity, but then you bring it close to the big bonfire, to the big avuka, to the big torch, and what happens? The avuka swallows up, it absorbs the flame, and now the flame, the individual flame, is just part of a larger fire, so it doesn't have any more its own metzias, this is called bitlba metzias, its own metzias becomes submerged, and nullified, in the lar- or absorbed in the larger flame. Hagam, after the parentheses, afal pikein, nonetheless, zeret soyna v'cheftsa, this is her desire. To be bottle, to be absorbed in his essence. Rather than sit and enjoy only the ziv hashchina. Because even though that is a gewaldika hana, but it's only the ziv. And what he wants is, I don't want imcha What I want is, this love, it's called Zohar, Dchar. Kimai Mailas has Zohar ala Nekeva. It's the unique Maila of the Zohar over the Nekeva. Kinoshim Daitan Kalas, the Gemara says, that women, their Das is Kal, it's light. Mashenkin has Zohar Shu Bardas. The Zohar is considered a Bardas. What is he referring to? What's the connection here? So that's follows. Vizel Shabchinis Aver Rabba Nal Nikrit Dchar. This Aver that we're talking about is called an Ava of Zohar. Shodas Chazak. 
It's a strong das. What's Pshat a strong das? Sheboicher ha'iker v'loy ha'tofel. He's ready to choose that which is iker, not that which is tofel. Hagam sheloyiyeh b'bchinis yesh. Even though that means he won't anymore retain his separate identity as a yesh. Ve'enoy chafetz ha'tofel. He does not want that which is tuffle, that which is subservient. Even though it has a major advantage, because that will allow his identity to remain intact. Because he could sit and enjoy the ray of the Shekhinah. And even though even this is called the source of all life, Chazal say all the Yisurim of Gehenim are worth it, in order to get to Ganeidin, which means that the Tainug of Ganeidin is extraordinary, so profound that all these Surim of Ganem are worth it. Nonetheless, despite its tremendous, tremendous Maila and greatness, it's still called Imcha. And you cannot compare it at all to the very light of the Ein Saif himself, not the Ziv, not the Rei. The Gemara says in Menachas Chavtes, the whole Olam Haba was created through the letter Yud, and Olam Haza through the letter He. This means to kol p'chines Olam Haba, ene elu p'chines nekuda. When the Gemara says that the Yud nivra Olam Haba, means the whole Olam Haba is really a nekuda. It's really one nekuda, it's really the Yud. So yes, that Yud is Mekar Chayim, that Yud is the source of all life. And the Tainug of experiencing that Yud, and the revelation of that Yud, is tremendous. But when you're contrasting the Yud, to the Ein Saif itself, it's like the ray of the sun. The ray of the sun, how, how do you compare the ray of the one ray of the sun that comes into your home, comes into the shul, comes into the window, how do you compare that to the sun? On the other hand, that's what allows us to enjoy the sun. For a person to take a trip to the sun, they're not planning to go on the sun shortly. The moon, yeah, but not the sun. Because we know what happens if you get close to the sun. When you sit in your house and you have the Ziv Hashemesh, Gevaldik, it brings warmth, it brings light, it brings radiance. The same is true with the Shechina. Ziv HaShechina, Yoshrim Venenin. That's the whole Olam Habas. The whole Olam Habas is the Tainug of Elokos. And that Tainug is un- not comparable to any other Tainug in the world. It transcends, it trumps every Tainug in the world. No pun intended. Sitting in the sun. Huh? Sitting, Sitting in the, the sun. sun. Sitting, basking, and bathing in divine glory. So what's greater than this? Comes David and says, "Mili b'shemayim ve'imcha lechafatzt." I don't want imcha. I know it's mekar chayim. I know it's amazing. And not only that, it's a gavaldik advantage because you're there to enjoy it. But if you want you, if I want you, I'm not going to be there to enjoy it because in you, my identity won't be able to remain distinct. It won't be able. There won't be that feeling of me, of I. I'm enjoying you. Because for me to enjoy you, all I can experience is your ray. If your essence would emerge, so then ultimately my eye would be absorbed in it. Like the little flame in the bonfire. In the bonfire, the little flame can't feel. Ah! Ah! This is a wonderful vacation. It's a wonderful Elam It's a wonderful schar. All there is is the flame. Because when there's a ziv, when there's a ray, so ultimately it's a restricted energy. Like the sun. You go to the sun, you get burnt up. You can't be intact in the sun. It's either you or the sun. It's one of the two. The ray of the sun is restricted. It's tailor-made. I can absorb it. Ziv HaShchina is a moiridik and moiridik but it's tailor-made for the neshama. But Mohuseh Vatsmoseh, him himself, if that emerges, 
then there's no room for separateness. There's actually no separateness. It's all oneness. It's all infinity. So it absorbs you completely. You become part of it. So therefore, if you're thinking about yourself, and I'm talking about yourself, your spiritual self, your perfect self, your godly self, then you want Ganeidin. You want Elam Haba. Because in Elam Haba, yourself reaches its ultimate, ultimate perfection, its ultimate realization. But this Ava is an Ava where he says, despite the fact that I won't be here, but I'm, I'm looking for the truth. I want truth. I don't want to be a Muslim. I don't want perfection. I don't want the biggest Tainug of the world. I don't want to experience God. I want God. There's only one challenge. To have God, there's no experience. To have God, there's no experience. To experience God, you can't have God. You can have a ray of God. Simpson, restriction, energy. To have God, there's no experience anymore. Experience means I'm experiencing you. I'm experiencing your light. So this is a unique Ava. It's a unique Ava. This is the Ava of Zohar. Zohar who says, Even though, even though, it's not easy to be Boicher the Iker. You want the Tafel. Because you want to be there to enjoy it. You want to be there. But still he says, I don't want where I'm going to be. I want the emes. I want the ultimate, ultimate emes. Even if that emes means I'm not there. I'm not there to experience. Because in real truth, there's no separate eye. The eye gets completely absorbed in the emes. That's what he chooses. And that is a unique, a unique type of avarabah. He says, the oilam hab is moiridik, but it's a yud. I don't want the nekudah. Nekuda represents a seminal point. Now, from our perspective, the Nekuda has quite a lot in it. But from the Ain Saif's perspective, it's only one Nekuda. The whole Elamab is one Nekuda. I want you yourself. Okay. So when David HaMelech says, Mili in Tehillim, V'imcha, with you I desire nothing. The Taiches, V'imcha, even that which is with you, but it's not you, it's with you, but it's not you I don't desire. Even though it's Taka with you, it's Imcha, it's, 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 it's part of you, it's with you, it's an expression of you, it's connected to you, and it's deeply connected to you, but it's not you. And because it's not you, Saloi Chafatzti, I don't want it. And what is this Imcha? This is the second Pasuk in Tehillim, Ke'imcha Mekar Chayim Ba'ar with you is the source of life, meaning the source of life, of course, comes from you. But that source of life is only with you. It's not you. It comes from you. It's imcha. It's associated with you. It's connected to you. Like im. It's with you. But it's not you. And the reason is because the source of life here is talking about even the highest form of life, which is Ganeidin, Elam Haba. The Gemara says about that in Masechus Brachas, that Sadikim Yoshvim, Vatriseim Bereshayim Venenim Iziv Hashchina. Sadikim sit with their crowns on their head and they enjoy, they bask and they bathe in the radiance, literally the radiance, the ziv is the ray and the glimmer and the light and the dazzling brilliance and brightness and spiritual luminescence of the Shekhinah. So it's nen in meziv but the fact that it's nen in meziv is because it's ziv It's the ray of the Shekhinah. And that's why there could be nen. That's why... I could somehow wrap my brain around this. Yes, not in Eilam Haza, but in Eilam Haba, MS. 
not in a brute material setting, but in a spiritual transcendental setting, on a shama, which is which is spiritual and godly and holy, etc., can be nenem iziv ha-shchina in ganeidin or in elam haba. Huh? No, so that is imcha. So the ziv ha-shchina is called imcha. It's im, it's with you, it's, it's, it's associated with you, it's bottled to you, it's your ray. It's your ray, but it's only imcha, it's with you, it's not you. That's where, what he says. Where in Tehillim is this? Ke imcha uh, the, the, the two psukim, mili bashamayim is kapitel ayin gimel, ke imcha mekarchayim is kapitel lamed vav. And what's the pashtas? In other words, he's obviously giving a much deeper pshat yeah. than ke imcha lo chafatzti. Yeah. What's the simple pshat? The imcha, with you, lo chafatzti, I don't need anything else. I don't desire anything else. I want not. With you, there's nothing in earth that, that captures my attention, that intrigues me, that pulls me, because I have you. It's like a person in a relationship will say, you know, if I have you, I don't need anything else. So Yitaych is even deeper. Even that which is imcha, even the mekar chayim, why, what is he looking for? He's searching for Lishtava Begufa de Malka. Not the Ziv, not Yoshim Venenim Ziv, but that the flame should be submerged in the Avuka in the bonfire. Even though when the flame gets absorbed in the bonfire, it ceases to exist as an independent reality. It becomes part of the Avuka, which would be called Bittel Bimitsius. Bittel Bimitsius means its whole Mitsius, its whole identity, its whole reality becomes absorbed in the avuka, but that's the love that he is experiencing. And this love is that even though mitzat, my own reality, I should choose to have a relationship with ziv Why? Because then I remain intact. I am there to enjoy it. I am there to experience it. So l'cha'ayda, that should be far advantageous. It should be far superior to... I want imcha. I want mekar I want God as a source of life, as a source of enlightenment, as a source of wisdom, as a source of inspiration, as a source of tainuk. I want Hashem as my battery, as my engine. I want Him, so to speak, to serve me, to fill up. I'm looking for, for spiritual shleimos. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Because imcha mekar you are the source of life, so you will be the source of my life, the source of my identity, the source of my energy. Before we talk about become, let's talk about what he's looking for. What you become is stage two. What what is he looking for? He's describing what this per, what this what David Amalekh is saying. What he's looking for as battles from him, or this is because I want to be. Because I want, because I want you, I want, I want. In other words, as he puts it, he says he's boicher ha'iker v'loyatafel. Even though he's not going to be b'pchinis yesh, he's boicher ha'iker v'loyatafel. There's no, there's no destruction of the yesh. He uses marshal and air and I wouldn't call it destruction. I would call it hiskalulus, submerged. Flame with a flame. The existing flame is still right, there. Right. It becomes part of the greater flame. Yes, yes, yes. But, but right, but not with not in a, not doesn't have a distinct identity. Not a distinct identity. Distinct identity. So that's why you call it ayin ve'efes. In terms of a distinct identity, it becomes naught. 
You're right, not not obliterated and destroyed. But the word nena wouldn't apply here. The word nena wouldn't apply here. Because there's no distinctiveness anymore. It's complete oneness. It's complete oneness with the source. Right. So even though this is a moidedike thing, to the fact that Chazal say all Yisurim of Gehenim are Kedai, just to come to Nenim as In other words, we can understand what that Tainug is, but nonetheless, it's a Yud. The whole Elam Haba is a Yud, and a Yud is only a Pchinus Nekuda. V'lachain, therefore, since it's a Nekuda, V'lachain, loy Yachbaitz. Listen to these words. Loy Yachbaitz lasses hatafel Iker bishvil ligarmei shaloi. He does not want to make the tuffel, the ikr, just for his own garmei. Now, ligarmei means usually for narcissistic purposes. Ligarmei means for yourself. You're doing it for yourself. Understand here what the ligarmei means. Here the ligarmei is what? Nenin meziv It's not ligarmei to be a gluttonous, self-centered, narcissistic dovracher. This is ligarmei to be able to be dovuk in Hashem. Right? But he's not going to make the toffle the ikir. In other words, say, the main thing and the main tachlis is mekor chayim, bishvila ligarmei shaloi, so that he should reach his ultimate spiritual delight and his ultimate spiritual perfection. V'zeu hanikri b'mishnah shaloi al menas l'kabal pras. Now this is Pshat and Prikayavis when it says, you should serve Hashem loy al menas l'kabal pras. How do we touch it? Pras means... A prize, the word prize, I believe, comes from the Greek. Pras, right? Pras. But the word pras actually is also associated in halacha, you have it often, prusa. Right? Like we have in the halachas of, of, of brachas, you have boitseya ala shlema, la prusa. Shlema would be a whole loaf of bread, a whole challah. Prusa means a piece, a piece, a broken piece. It's called a pras. That's why you say a pras, I give you a part of it. Like a pras is pras me beis hamelch. So he says, Let's understand. To be nene that's called pras. Why? Because it's only a piece. It's only a fragment of the divine. Miloshin, like the expression in Yeshaya Hanavi, the Haftoid of Yom Kippur, Yeshaya Hanavi says, You think a fast is that you're not going to eat and you're going to bring me sacrifices? A fast day means to give a piece of your bread to the hungry person. Price, break off a piece of your bread. Share, share a piece of your bread with somebody else. So what's price? Price comes from the word prusa, which means a fragment, a piece. means I don't want a pras of gelikos. I don't want a shtikol elikos. I don't want prusa. I don't want a piece of the divine. I don't want the ray of God. What I want is I want to be drawn. I want to be absorbed. I want to be drawn. In the essence of the malach. Gufa here doesn't mean body as in body. Gufa means the guf, the etzem. The core of the malach. The core of the malach. That his very essence, his very atzmius, should be submerged in the presence, in the light of the infinite one, which is not a ray anymore. Asher sham, and over there, prusa haniskeres la'el, keloi mamesh chashivi ketipe bo'okyonis. And over there, the prusa would be like a drop of water in the Atlantic Ocean. It would be like a drop of water in the Atlantic Ocean. 
So you come to the Okeanos, you have an ocean. And now you have, you fill up a cup of water, you put a drop of water. You say, now what would you want? You want the drop or you want the ocean? So if you want to survive, you take the drop. You take the drop. But now what is the drop in the ocean? The drop in the ocean, it's a drop in the ocean. As the expression is, a drop in the ocean. It's a marshal. It's not a perfect marshal because it's, you're still dealing with physical realities. And ultimately, even the Okeanos, even the Atlantic, there's soft call soft, uh, size, a measurement. But the concept is that the tipper is keloi chashivi in the Okeanos. It's completely bottled, it's nullified, it's forfeited, not only b'shishim, and not only b'elef, and not only b'revav. You can't even, we don't even know the number of what's the ratio between the drop and the Okeanos. Ziv hashchina. Lagabi Shchinna is a drop in the Atlantic. Because this is a ray of Hashem. It's like, and that's what the Gemara means in Menachas, Beyud Nivra Haba. What's a Yud? A Yud is one letter. So the whole Elam Haba is one letter. Now I ask you a question. How much do you know about a person, about an essence of it from one letter, they say? Somebody says Yud. Could you write a biography about them? You tell me you're writing a book about somebody. I say, you knew him? No. You read him? No. You met him? No. You spoke to people who knew him? No. So what do you have? You heard him say Yud. How much of your, of your personality, of your wisdom, of your soul, of your essence, comes out in the letter Yud, or the letter He? So Chazal say, what's Olam Haba? Olam Haba is Yud. Now from our perspective, oh, that Yud has a lot. Because <laughs> it's not a Yud, it's Hashem's Yud. That Yud has tremendous energy. It's a source of life. But understand from the perspective of, that, of the ocean, it's a yud, it's a nakuda. The whole thing is one nakuda, one vort, one insight, one spark, one fragment. So it's enough to create Elam Haba. And a hay is enough to create Elam Haza. Let's face it, Elam Haza is also pretty impressive. See, when the Balatanya was taken to prison, it was dark days, so he came out, Yat Kislev. So he looked at the, at the he was in Petersburg. They know exactly where he was, like an island. They took him on island for those who usually uh, engaged in treason. I, w- I went to visit him. It's a very interesting place. You can only get there through a boat. So when he came out, and he, he looked around at the, at, the, at the edifices of Petersburg, at the palaces. Petersburg is a very impressive city. Even then, it was gorgeous. And uh, I don't know what, exactly what he saw. The winter palace, the summer palace, but... Uh, it's not where he grew up. He grew up in little, little shtetlach and villages in, in, in Belarus, in Russia, Lyazhna. It was very small, little shtetlach, mama. So he says, Now the Gemara says, Chazal said that Yaakov and Esav made a division. He took Elam Habi, he took Elam Habi. He says, wasn't So now we know Elam Habi is also ganz impressive, but it's not like Elam Habi. I, but what, what, still, all of Elam Abba is a Yud, it's on a Kud. So therefore, if I'm thinking about me, of course I want Elam Abba. Nenin Meziv that's the greatest Tainug in the world. But if I'm thinking about truth, I don't want Pras, I, don't want, I want the real thing. I, in the real thing, I won't be able to sit on my beach chair, right? And uh, sip my spiritual pina colada on the hammock of Olam Haba, and ba- spiritual hammock, of course, I'm talking about, and bask in the radiance of the divine presence. But I don't want your presence. I want you. I in the you, in the you, it's ain't soif. And if it's ain't soif, I cannot remain in as a distinct identity. So that's why you can't call this a regular ava. 
if it would be daiton kalois, you're looking ultimately for survival. You're looking for gratification. You're looking for perfection. You're looking for actualization. You're looking for enhancement. But what I'm looking for, I'm looking for the emes. And since the emes is not in the... The Prus is also emes. But it's a glimmer of emes. I don't want a glimmer. I want the full truth. I, in the full truth, I will forfeit my distinct identity. That's this av of imchaloi chafatzti baritz. Masha'ein kin p'chines yeledes nekeva. Yeledes nekeva zel p'chines avazuta. This is called small love. Now, when he says here small love, it's not so small. Legabe avarab, it's called avazuta. Trust me, avazuta here is pretty big. It's all relative. What's avazuta? You'll hear in a moment what avazuta is, and you'll see that it's big. Shaha'ava hi almenas lekabel pras beganeidin. The love is to get a prasing an aid. Now here he clarifies what this means. What's the Nasle prasing an aid? Even that is defined here, not like many would define it. People say, what, what, why, do, why do you want Ganeidin? You want Ganeidin because it's ultimate tainug. It's all the pleasures in the world pale in comparison to the pleasures of Ganeidin. He says, no. What Ganeidin is, the Ainu Shechafitz Kirva Selekim What does he want in Ganeidin? He wants Kirva Selekim. He wants to be close to Hashem and he wants dveikus in Hashem. Dahainu shetishoyer atzmos umuhusa nefesh k'moishi dvuka bayisbaruch beganeidin. He wants that his atzmos, the core of his soul, should remain intact, the way it's completely attached with Hashem in ganeidin. That's what he wants ganeidin. He wants the ultimate dveikus. So this is ava. This is the ava, and he wants that dveikus in this world. Remember, there's the concept of elam chater bechayach in this world. The Gemara says. It says about the others that he timon, the Gemara says about the Basra, that he timon in Elam Haba, Me'en Elam Haza. He timon Me'en Elam Haba in Elam Haza. But what he's looking for is the Dveikas with Hashem. V'zeo, b'chinnas, nafshi ivisicha. This is the concept Yeshaya Hanavi speaks about. Nafshi ivisicha balayla. The Pasuk says, My soul desires you at night. Ka'adam ha'mis'ava l'chaye nafshi. Okay, here he assumes that everybody knows the Pasuk, and everybody knows the Zoyar on the Pasuk. He doesn't even bother quoting it, so let me just give you a little context. Yeshaya Hanavi has an interesting Lashon. The Pasuk is Yeshaya Perik Chavav Pasuk test. Nafshi Ivisicha Balayla. My soul, Ivisicha comes from the word Ava, like Eva of Loi. Right? We say it every morning, you remember? Kivachar Hashem Betziyayin. Eva of Loi. He desired Tziyayin as his residence. Nafshi ivisicha, my soul desires you at night. Asks the Zoyar, grammatically it's incorrect. It's saying I double, twice I. Either you say nafshi ifsach balayla, or you say ivisicha balayla. Like in English, I'm not going to say my soul, I desire you at night. I say my soul desires you at night, or I desire you at night. Nafshi, my soul, ivisicha, I want you by night. My soul, I, my soul and I are two separate beings. Either say nafshi ifsach, or ivisicha balayla, not nafshi, I want you. So the Zoyar says we learned the Pasuk wrong. Nafshi is not my soul. Nafshi is talking to Hashem. Nafshi, because you are my soul, therefore ivisicha balayla, therefore I want you at night. Nafshi Yivisicha is not my soul. I want you at night. You are my soul. Nafshi, you are my nefesh. Therefore, Yivisicha. That's what he says here. Ka'odam ha'mesava l'chayi nafshi. 
like a person loves the life of his soul. A person, the greatest love in life is love to lo- love to live, the love towards life. Vaharaya. Most people will endure enormous, Rahman al-Islam, enormous um, uh, measures of pain, surgery, chemotherapies, procedures, and difficult, difficult uh, um, refuas, medicines, in order to experience longer life, longevity, because the taiva, techayim, is the deepest taiva. Adam amesava nafsh. When you real, what is it that I'm loving? I love my eye, I love my soul, I love my life. When you realize what is your soul, your soul is God. Hashem is the battery, the engine, the source, the identity, the core, the chiyos of the self. In other words, the ultimate self is Hashem. Nafshi, you are my nefesh. You don't have to create Avas Hashem, you have Avas Hashem. Every person has Avas Hashem. You're just misplacing the word, you just don't know the word. What you're calling, change the word from God to the real self. Nafshi, you are my soul. You have Avas Hashem already. Because Avas Hashem, we say the word Hashem, as we spoke quite a few times, Hashem, so we see it in our mind's eye as something distinct. You know, he's in heaven, and this this big boss, or big reality, or big force. But that's essentially a childlike, a childlike image. Because Hashem is also Nafshi, it's, it's, it's the ultimate you. So therefore, and you want you, you're nafshi, you're not going to tell a person, most people don't have to meditate to want to live. It's so deep, they don't even have to meditate on it. It's, it's instinctive. And when it comes to a moment of sakana, they, they operate in a whole different way. So when a person recognizes that Hashem is nafshi, then I desire you, because you are my soul. So I don't have to create a new desire. It's not like I have to learn to love God because He gives me cotton candy in the morning. If there is love, it's only to Him. If there is love, there's nothing else to love. That is reality. If you love reality, if there's anything you love about life, right, you're loving life. What is life? Nafshi, that's alakus. What else are you going to love? What exactly is it that you love? So b'meila nafshi ivisicha balayla. So why is it called balayla? Balayla means when I'm in a state of darkness, then I experience this love. <laughs> when I'm in a state of darkness, in other words, when I'm in a lower state of consciousness, then I say, Ah, you're my soul, and therefore I love you. Why do I love you? Because I love me, and you are me. I I I I find me by finding you. I'm looking to find myself in God. That's the difference of Avazuta Averab. Both are tremendous love, but the question is, do you want to find yourself in Hashem, or do you want to lose yourself in Hashem? Do you want to find yourself in truth, or are you ready to lose yourself in truth? That's the difference. Avazuta, I want truth, but I want to find myself there. In other words, I want truth. I want the fulfillment, the truthfulness, the power, the authenticity, the soulfulness, the depth, and the meaning, and the dveikus that comes from being connected to truth. I want kirvasalakim. It's like when you find somebody that you want to become best friends with, or you want to have a relationship with them, or you want to marry them. And you say, this is the person I want. Kirvas elikim litoiv, as David HaMalach says. Avizut. Litoiv. It's great. It's kishmak. Yes, some people find kirva with other things, toif. 
But if you're more enlightened and you're more sophisticated and you're more sensitive and you go deeper and deeper, you realize that ultimately there's one truth, there's one reality. Beyond the chocolate and beyond everything else. Simpler examples. <laughs> so all this is the... Uh... Oh, so we'll soon come, we'll soon get back to that. So Avazuta <laughs> is called a smaller love. Not that it's not a power, it's a very deep love. But a small love means I'm still in a state of, 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 of so to speak, more spiritual primitiveness. I don't know if the word is primitiveness, but it's, so to speak, a lower, consci- a, a, a simpler consciousness, a more basic consciousness. And therefore, I'm looking for Olam Haba. What's got Olam Haba? Olam Haba is Dveikos. So it's not selfish in the sense I want to be selfish. I want to be connected to you. But why do I want to be connected to you? I want to be connected to you. I want to experience the closest. I want to find myself in truth. That's what I'm looking for. That's not Salim, that's I want a pras of So he's not touching Lekabo Pras like we say. Lekabo Pras, you want Hashem to give you a nice house. Or to give you good parnasa. That's pras in Gashmias. You want schar. No. Manaslakava pras means you want dveikus in your boyner shalom. That's what you want. So why is it called pras? Pras means because it's a prusa. Because dveikus in Hashem, by definition, he's only gonna, it's only a prusa. Because if you have the etzem, not the prusa, then there's no dveikus. <laughs> then it's bitl b'metzis. Shalom manas, you want much more. Huh? Shalom it's not so much you want, because it's not going to be an I that wants anymore. You understand? You want to not want. <laughs> he wants to not want. Right? To be or to be not? That is the question. <laughs> to be or to be not? That's the difference. Here I want to find myself in Hashem and here I want to lose myself in Hashem. It's a whole different experience. Now that's called not legarme because it's losing yourself. It's losing yourself. So it's not legarme. So why, yeah, what's... Because he's looking for the ikir, not the tafa. He's looking for the emes. V'imcha. I don't want tafel. I don't want what... I don't want im. I don't want accessories. I don't want your meshamshim. I don't want your gaboyim. I don't want your ganadins. I don't want your world. I want you. I want you. Garme? Fazich. Ulterior motives. Famous Now usually, right, when people do something, there's always a ligarme. I mean, ask uh, any classic uh, psychoanalyst, therapist, uh, what motivates people to do things? Why would I do it if there's no benefit? The question is, what's the benefit? For some people, benefit is called, I feel better. Some people benefit means quick fix, instant gratification. Some people benefit may be ruchnes, mental gratitude, mental gratification, emotional gratification, a sense of identity, a sense of physical or spiritual health. Right? People exercise to feel better. People exercise spiritually to feel better, and that's a great thing. It's not. A, it's not a. Uh, it's not a bad thing. That's how the. That's how. That's what that the world works. Right? Life revolves on that. On that seer. So you say legarme doesn't necessarily mean legarme that you don't think anybody else exists. You have compulsive narcissists. So nobody else exists. That's a different type of legarme. We're not talking about this legarme is very subtle. You respect life of another person. On the contrary, maybe you're ready to dedicate your whole life to the other. But why? Because you want the closeness. You want the relationship. 
וזהו בחינס נפשי, ויסיכה כאדם המסעבה לחיי נפשי, ולכן בויכר יויסר בבחינס הפרס. So that's why he chooses the pras. Why? Shurak ziva ha'ore biyud nivroilam ha. But it's only a yud kadeli shayir al mohusivat musishla nefesh, so that the nefesh should remain intact. Ve'enei chafetz liyshtava v'libotli. He doesn't want to become nullified. Kis galulus neir ba'avuke ba'atzmi yisayin inside baruchu. Like the neir, the flame gets submerged in the in the bonfire because he's looking for the essence of the infinite one. What he's looking is for the pras because he's speaking about his own shleimos. This is called a love of darkness. What is a love of darkness? It's a love of light, but it's in a love where he's relatively in a state of less enlightenment, more darkness. In other words. He's ready not to have full reality, full truth, because it's a lower state of consciousness. This is called Ava Zutta versus Ava I once read a story, or I heard once a story, a very interesting story, about a, uh, you know, it's a, it has a profound message about the search for truth. The search for truth. There was this man who was always searching for the truth. All he wanted was the truth. Truth, truth, truth. Nothing but the truth. And he said he would give up everything just to know truth, just to know MS. I don't have to tell you, people with some experience of life, it's not so easy to find truth. In this world, it's not so easy to find truth in humanity. There's a famous medrash that when Arun Shlala wanted to create the world, MS told him it's a bad idea. This is a world full of sheker. It's a bad idea. Chesed actually said there'll be a lot of chasadim, you know? There'll be this, there'll be that. But MS said this is a, ha- of a house, a world of lies. So what What did Hashem do? He took Midas HaEmetz. It's a voracious rabbi, Parsha Ches. He He cast it to the ground. And that's why the Pasuk says, Emes may Eretz Titzmach. Basically, Emes is Bagrabin in the earth. It's buried deep in the ground and it has to grow. Why is it buried? Because Hashem buried it during the time of creation in order to be able to create the world, in order to silence the emes. So there's a vart from the Kotzka, famous vart. He asked Lechayda, why did he have to throw away the emes? Um, uh, Hashem wanted to create the world and Midas HaChesed said to create the world. So it's two against one. Why do you have to throw away Midas HaEmes? So the Kotzka in his classic... Uh, expression and way of thinking said because if MS is here even if the majority is against it you did not defeat it MS is not defeated by majority I don't care if this one versus a billion if it's true it's true the only way to get rid of it is if you throw it away if you throw it away then you don't have to deal with it so this man is saying I want to find truth and I'll do anything. And he goes to everybody, the truth, the truth. And one day they tell him that uh, there is the truth. You could find the truth. But for this you have to take a long and arduous and tedious and complex journey. And you have to travel thousands of miles and trek through winding roads and tunnels and valleys and fields and forests and jungles. And then in one particular place, is the place, then you'll find the MS. 
Anyway, to make a long journey a little shorter, he goes on this journey and it's very difficult and it takes him months. And finally, as he goes through his uh, caves and winding roads and pathways, and somewhere in this huge wilderness, he sees a home and it extends for miles and miles on end. And this is, according to the maps he had, this is the place of truth. He walks in and all he could see is endless rows of candles, endless rows Thousands and millions of candles, like little yardzeitlicht, you know, little candles. And uh, he doesn't know what it is, and an old man appears. And the young man looks at him and says, I heard that this is the place of truth. He says, yes, you have arrived in the Olam HaEmes, in the place of truth. He says, what are all these candles? He says, every person has a candle. And this candle is the true depiction of this person. If you look at this candle, you'll know everything about this person, and you'll know the truth about this person. Everything. From where they live, and how they function, and the nature of their personality, and who they are, and even how long they're going to live. Everything. You'll look at any candle, and you'll see the people who are just born, there's a lot of oil. And the people who are about to die, there's very little oil. And people who are middle-aged, there's a less... And you look at the flame, the way it flickers, the way it dances, the way it sways. This is the nature of the person's life. Everything about this person, in terms of internal and external, you have here in this flame. He says, can I see, uh, can I see my community, my city? You know, he's looking for Muncie. Sure, sure, sure. And he takes him to that place. Can I see my neighborhood? This is your neighborhood. Can I see my street? My street... Can I see my house, my family, right there? Can I see my candle? He says, sure, it's right there. And the old man says, i got to go away. i got to go for a few minutes. I'll see you later. And he walks out. And he comes to his candle. And B'dechilu Rechimu with tremendous trepidation, this is what he's been waiting for his whole life, to find, to find his truth. And he takes a look at his candle and he sees that the oil is about to end. The flame is tiny, the oil is about to end. And a few candles down on the same road is one with a lot, a lot, a lot of oil. So, he looks here, he looks there. And he picks up the candle, and he pours into his candle a lot of oil. As he's in the middle of pouring, the old man walks in and says, Aha, so you are the man who's been searching only for the truth. And that's the end of the story. Okay? Now what you want to do with this story is up to you. <laughs> but it's a sobering story about our search for truth. Our search for truth. You understand why I bring this story in here? You don't understand? Huh? Well, a person says, I'm looking for the truth. Really, what does that really mean? <laughs> what does that really mean? Try to understand to. the Avarab. It's what it means. I'm looking for the truth and I want to be there to experience it? Or am I looking for the truth and I'm really ready even to surrender that sense of a spiritual identity for the sake of truth. Because to find truth produces consequences. 
It's not a simple thing. Truth has consequences. Even to use a simple metaphor on a much lower level. Right, somebody came to me for advice. I asked him, I said, just before, before, before we continue, I have one question. Do you want me to tell you the truth? Or do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Just tell me which one you want. So, of course, ask this to any person. What is he going to say? Of course I want the truth. But when I told him the truth, he didn't want to talk to me ever again. <laughs> so he said, I want to hear the truth. Do you really want to hear the truth? Or you want to hear truth in a way that's packaged nicely? In a way that's more comfortable? A little truth. Because a lot of truth is powerful. What if, for the sake of truth, I have to say goodbye? to everything I grew up with, to all of my conventions, to everything that is obvious by me, I don't even take for granted. What if I have to revisit certain paradigms? What if I have to graduate certain habits, certain conventions, certain perspectives? And what if, in the deepest place, I have to actually say I'm ready to surrender my very self for the truth? But that's really the truth, is that when you, if you were to know all the truth, you would die. I mean, like right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking somebody else's oil? Huh? Taking somebody else's oil? Yeah. <laughs> he wants the truth, but to a certain limit. I want the truth, but to a certain limit. There's another deep anecdote, maybe on a similar note. I once read some work, an interesting book. This fellow was also searching for the truth everywhere for years and years, and they told him in one cave you'll find the truth. And he goes into that cave and he sees... Uh, I don't know how to say it nicely, but he sees this ugly, ugly, ugly woman. Mamish, tachlis hamiyaskite. And uh, she says, you arrived, you arrived at the scene of truth. And he spends there three months, and then when he leaves, he says to her, do you have a message for me? She says, yeah, go tell the world how beautiful I am. <laughs> so, very often, uh, you know, truth, it sounds beautiful, but sometimes it challenges us very, very deeply. And it's not pretty, at least from our present perspective. Sometimes we dismiss it and call it ugly because it's so challenging. So the deeper love that he's describing here, what's called Ave Rabbe versus Ave Zutas. Ave Zuta, as I said, is no small love. Ave Zuta means that a person really wants Dveikus in Hashem. Why? Because they want the the closeness, the fulfillment, the inspiration, the intimacy with the divine, they want ziv hashchina. And not for selfish, narcissistic reasons, so they could say, I have this, or because they are arrogant people. No, because of their refinement. They cherish how deep this relationship is, how beautiful the relationship is. But is there no self-involved? There is a self-involved, and it's really a beautiful self. It's a refined self. It's, a, it's an elevated self. It's a sophisticated self. It's a spiritually enlightened self. But it's a self that wants kirvas elikim litoiv. Nenin meziv hashchina. I want the ziv, I want the ray, but I want the ray. I want the ray. Why do I want the ray? Because I want to be able to understand the sheer. I want to be able to wrap my brain around it. I want to be able to sit in the presence of something I can enjoy. It's made for me. It's tailor-made for me. It's the ray. The ray of the sun I can deal with. I can absorb. I can internalize. I can cherish it. I can appreciate it. This is almanas lekabel pras. Don't give me the whole piece of bread. Don't give me the whole loaf of bread. Give me a prusa. Give me a fragment. 
why do I need a fragment? I need a fragment because that is this is what I will be able to internalize. Be yud nivra olam haba ki imcha mekor chayim. I want that which is with you. I can't deal with you. I don't. It's too. I I have to be there. I have to be there for the show. I want to be there for the for the circus. I got to be there. Be yud nivra olam haba. Ah. Then there's the Jew who says, I want you. But the challenge is that with you, there's no I. With you, the I becomes completely absorbed in the you. There's no sense of I anymore. So here's the question. Does the person choose the tafel or the Iker? The advantage in choosing the tafel is it's legarme. It's for me. Right, it's a form of subtle spiritual selfishness. I say subtle because it's not, not brutal. It's not brute selfishness. It's subtle selfishness. Or he says, "No, I want the ikir. I don't want the drop in the Atlantic Ocean. I want the atzmius shaloy al manas pras. I don't want the prusa. I want the etza." That's the question. Um. Do I just want to find myself in God or am I ready to lose myself in God? Do I just want to find myself in the truth or am I ready to lose myself in the truth? Now, of course, one always has to be careful with these words because it always has to be a choice. What do I mean it has to be a choice? You know, if somebody uh, comes to a child and says, oh, just surrender your whole identity because it's insignificant and just let it melt away in the truth. Are they surrendering their identity to the truth? Or they're not surrendering their identity. They don't have even an identity to surrender. There's no relationship here. It's basically they're not even connected to the truth. They're simply trying to liberate themselves from their sense of inadequacy. Understand what I'm saying? You understand? If I tell somebody you're nothing and this is the way to redeem yourself, so you realize that they're not redeeming themselves by connecting to something. They're just trying to make themselves feel better and fill this void because they're unworthy and the only way they're going to become worthy is through this. They actually have to think more about themselves. So in a funny, dysfunctional way, they're actually not leaving themselves because they're busy filling a void because their only way to justify their existence is by being nothing. So that has to do with a whole different psychological problem that we're not dealing with. Here we're dealing with a healthy identity that has to make a choice and could, is capable of making a choice. In other words, forfeiting my identity is a choice. It's not that when I was nine years old, somebody told me I'm insignificant, I'm worthless, God is the only truth. And therefore, bittel simply becomes the only term that will make you exist because who you are is so worthless that only if you nullify yourself you exist. Just don't confuse that concept with this concept. Because sometimes in religious life, the two concepts could be very easily confused. You understand what I'm saying? If you experienced it, you understand what I'm saying. If you never experienced it, then you don't understand what I'm saying, and you're pretty lucky. So, <laughs> But it's a very, very important idea. We're talking here about choices. By definition, a relationship is about a choice. So this Jew, David Amal says, I want your MS. It's not... 
I'm not trying to fill to, to get rid of guilt and to get rid of a void because because then it's just fakert. <laughs> In, in, you're not even giving up anything because you're just trying to find yourself, and you're finding yourself in the strange, in the strange way because you're not let to be yourself. You have to say you're somebody else. Whatever, it's, it's complicated. But uh, I'm just bavardening that because somebody asked me a question after the shit, and I saw that there was a little confusion with that. So this is this is two different types of ava. One is called ava rabba, and one is called uh, one is called ahava ahava zuta ahava zuta. And it's a question really in Yiddishkeit. It's a question in Yiddishkeit. Does one ever experience a Yiddishkeit in which they completely melt away? They completely can melt away and lose themselves in MS? Or I'm always intact. I always have to remain. I always have to remain intact. Now, Rabbi Yudha Halevi has an expression. We spoke about it on Tisha B'Av. In his uh, in his uh, poem Tzia in Aloisish Ali Lishloim Asirayich, when he says when he Ve'es Echloim Sheva Shvusech Ani Chiner Lishirayich, when I dream about the return of your captives, I am a harp for your melodies. Speaking to Tzia, of course that phrase was used in Yerushalayim Shal Zahav, right? But the original source of it is Rabbi Yehuda Halevi Tzia in Aloisish Ali Ani Chiner Lishirayich. I am a harp for your melodies. And what Rabbi Levi is saying is a very profound poetic idea, and that is that sometimes a person is a harp. Just as the harp plays out a certain song, a certain ballad, a certain melody, a certain shir, I am that kinar. I represent your melody. I am the violin or the fiddle or the harp or the piano or the cello, whatever instrument speaks to your soul, which, which so to speak, is the vehicle, it's the instrument for your melody, for your shir. So, I was just thinking about this uh, by davening the other day, and that is that essentially, I would say that uh, in many ways, this is an example of this concept. Like this Maimar like many other Maimar in the Balatanya I find in Lekudatayra, he is a kinoi, a harp for the melodies of the Jewish soul. What is an Ashama? What is a soul? Ani a harp for the soul. What is the soul? It's almost like a harp to express the profoundest expression of the soul. So the soul operates on these two levels. There's one aspect of the soul where the soul wants kirvas alekim, it wants the closeness, it wants the ganeidin, it wants the lekabel pras, but he is also a harp for another dimension of the soul. Mili b'ashamayim v'imcholei chafatzti ba'aretz, that even the ziv hashchina, what I'm looking for is, not the ziv, I'm looking for you, yourself. In fact, the Tzemach Tzedek writes a very interesting story that his grandfather, during davening, he says, nishma. I used to hear from him, when he would go into, uh, um, I don't know, spiritual state of spiritual intimacy, he said, he, I would often, he said he would often say this, Mili bashamayim ve'imchalei ba'aretz. Ich will nicht dein Ganeiden, ich will nicht dein Olam Haba, ich will nicht dein Ganeiden Atachten, ich will nicht dein Ganeiden Ha'elyon. Mili Bashamayim, I don't want heaven. Ich will nicht dein Ganeiden Ha'elyon, dein Ganeiden Atachten. Ich will mehr nicht as dich allein. Ich will mehr nicht wie dich allein. I only want you. 
This was the dveikas that he describes, he heard from his grandfather, he would say this in Yiddish. In other words, it's dein ganed, and it's dein oilam haba, it's yours. We're not talking about an oilam haba where there's going to be stam cholent and kugel. We're not talking about that oilam haba, some people have that perception, cholent and kugel. We're not talking about that. We're talking about an oilam haba, not even as a schar, so I should have what I want. We're talking about dein oilam haba, in other words, a place where I bask in your presence, in your radiance, in your light. But das will ich nicht. I don't want that. Why? Because it's prua prus. It's it's mulkabel pras. It's a prus. It's a pras. Ich will manage wie dich allein. I want a relationship with you, you yourself. I. What type of relationship is it going to be? It's going to be called a relationship. A relationship, by definition, means relatable. Probably can you can have the word of the relation, the word relationship. It says it's a ba'vuka. The flame of the soul gets merged, it merges, that's the word. It's a merger, and it's not a merger of two companies where both of them maintain you know, their identity, they just get rid of overhead. This is a merger where you become submerged, subsumed, subsumed. the drop goes back into the ocean, the tip becomes part of the okyanus, it's not a tip anymore. Nonetheless, nonetheless, I'm not going to settle for a glimmer of truth just because it feels, it's going to feel better. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to compromise. I want the full, full, full truth because it's true. Because it's true. Not because it's beneficial. It's not beneficial. But it's true. And if it's true, I'm ready to give up not my physicality. I'm ready to give up my spirituality. I'm ready to give up my experience of God. I'm ready to, exper- to give up my experience of Ruchnis. There's a word from the Balatanya. He said, the first mitzvah after Matan Torah is... Right after, right after, what's the first mitzvah? Mizbeach Adam Atasali. That's at the, la- the last possible, but before that. Mizbeach Adam Atasali. Vizavachta loves oiloi secha. Ves shlamecha. So he touched the first mitzvah after Matantaira. Mizbeach Adam Atasali. You should build for me a Mizbeach, an altar from Adam, from Bittel. And I'll listen to this, I'm going to say it in Yiddish, how he said it, and then translate. On this Mizbeach you should slaughter Slaughter the desire to be a Muslim. Slaughter the desire for Shlemos. You want Shlemos, you want Shlamecha, you want Aliyos. You want to be Euler. You want to be a Balmadrega. You want to be a Balmadrega. For some, this is it. He says, but that the Chiddush about the Torah was, give that up. I want to be a Balmadrega. I want to be Euler, Midargala, Draga. You know, the expression you'll have, I want Kedusha, I want Tara, I want Precious, I want Madregas. I want Shlemos. What Shlemos? Good Shlemos. Now I'm talking about uh, foolish Shlemos. Good Shlemos. He says, the first thing is you have to give up. The desire to have shleimus, the desire for alias medayim. Why? Why? That's all ziv. The place that you're going to be perfect, even, even assuming we're talking about not delusional shleimus. There is again. I'm just bavarning these things, so you shouldn't introduce psoilus here. There's a person. What shleimus for them? Shleimus means basically they feel horrible about themselves, so they can have some image that they're perfect. It's going to work for them. So that's already. You know, a little therapy maybe can help over there. It's a whole different concept. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about a Jew who desires madregis not only because they're delusional, it's chaloymus shechalmu acherem al and they're trying to get rid of guilt 
their whole life. And if they could somehow tell themselves that they're separated from the world and they're holy and, uh, and they could go into the certain category of people, they can justify their existence. So then they push it, need a good hug and a little love and maybe some exercise and a good diet and whatever, some other stuff, push it to get them back to their natural, organic, holistic self. Because it's a whole other issue. Because the madregas are just substitutes for, for deep, you know, obsessions and it's called you call fog, you know, fear, obsession, guilt. So when things are foggy, it's very hard to serve God when you're in a fog. If you're in a state of fear and obsession and guilt, if you're not serving God, you're just trying to get rid of fear. You're trying to get rid of obsession. You're trying to get rid of guilt. You call it avodas Hashem. We're talking here a Jew who's an, who was, so to speak. I don't know, I want to say a healthy person. I don't know what that means. A healthy person was still looking for that person, right? But in other words, he wants Aliyah, he wants Shlemus, like he wants Elohaba, not for the Kugel, not for the air condition. Not for the air condition. There was once a Yid, he wrote of uh, a Yid, interesting Parsha. He was uh, a Litvish Yid, his name was Rebeli Yohukvint. Rebeli Yohukvint, a Talmud Chachem. He wrote Svarim on the Rambam. And he happened to be a bookkeeper, a bookkeeper for, uh, for the Lubavitcher Rebbe for many, many years. His name was Quint. He worked in 770. He was a lit, real Litvish Yid. And so it was a very interesting contrast over there. And he worked, he was a very Geshmaki, the big Talmud Chachem wrote Svarim on the Rambam. So I once saw one of his Svarim, uh, his name was Eliyahu. Something Eliyahu. So he writes in the Hagdama of the Sefer that he imagines what Olam Haba is going to look like, what he wants his Olam Haba to look like. It was so very interesting. So he says, he says what he wants, what he thinks Olam Haba is going to look like, and at least he wants his Olam Haba is a shtender, a Gemara on the shtender. It's snowing outside, and you could see the snow; it's freezing. But in the in the in the room, it's warm. He has a thermos. With hot water, so he could give himself tea. Ashtendim et hagemara. That That's his elam haba. Okay, so that's better than other people's elam habas. Fashteistoch, yeah. Somebody once said that a balagola's elam haba. They asked the balagola, "You want elam haba?" He said, "Yes." He said, "What's elam haba?" So elam haba is that the highway on which the horses go are straight, no bumps, no ditches, no curveballs. It's a straight highway. That's Eilam Haba. Everyone defines Eilam Haba to, according to who they are. If I have horses, the Eilam Haba means a gate. The horses go. For him, the Eilam Haba was a stender. So everybody defines Eilam Haba in terms of what's perfection. But even if you're talking about Eilam Haba in terms of, he's talking here of Kirva Salakim, of Ziv Hashchina, you're sensitive to the divine. But I want the Shleimus. I want the perfection. I don't need Shlemos. I don't need Elias. What I want is you. What I want is you, and sometimes that has nothing to do with Shlemos. It's a whole different experience. A whole, the word is not even experience. It's a whole different reality. So this is a person who's ready to give for truth, to give everything. To give even the need for Shlemos, the need for Elam Haba, the need for Aliyah. Okay. Now, huh? So what's better with the Gerson for the others of the two gersas, you mean. You have the gersas, Shaloy Almanas Lekabal Pras, and Almanas Shaloy Lekabal Pras. So you're saying, Shaloy Almanas Lekabal Pras is not to get a Pras. And here it's Almanas, I don't want the Pras. I want the whole thing, I want the Etzim. There's a very fine line between 
Kadusha, this highest level of the Vekas and Kadusha and, and mental illness, really. They, yes. Like, both, they're both saying, I am nothing, but you're saying it in a different way. Yes, yes, yes. You're saying that in mental illness, a person says, I'm nothing. And how does one distinguish between one form of I'm nothing and another form of I'm nothing? It depends what you're right? to. Huh? Some people say I'm nothing compared to humanity, and some people say I'm, con- I'm nothing compared to Hashem. Right? Well, so yeah, it depends what you're comparing. Yes. But I think... So how do you distinguish between the two? It's very important to distinguish between the two. The person saying he's nothing means he is nothing. He is something. Not everybody. Some people mean it when they say it. Unfortunately. I mean, it's the comparison. You have to think of yourself as if the whole world was created for you, and then at the same time, you have to think that you're. I mean, you look at the product. If the person's kind of the Bartarbos, there's no Holobrius, then obviously. Someone who's suffering from mental illness and he's nothing will usually be very miserable. Someone who's achieved such greatness that he's able to be a spot, though, is usually bothersh lightness and that transcends lightness. That person is uh, living a life of joy. Right. So I think think practically what you're saying is that you can't just jump into this avarabha if you don't go through the process of avazutta. Or to put it very simply, to come and tell a 10-year-old boy or a 14-year-old bachiro, you know, you're just nothing, and the purpose of life has just become nothing. Just melt away, just jump into the Atlantic Ocean, and just become part of the ocean. So essentially, what we're doing is, we're not allowing him to choose to transcend himself, to become connected to truth, but rather the sense that there's really nothing worthwhile about you. You're so insignificant, and therefore there's nothing to cherish, there's nothing to... uh, to uh, celebrate, there's nothing to appreciate, there's no even sense of self to become selfless. The famous word from the Apter of the Oyev Yisrael from Apter, he brings it, the Gemara says in Psachim Daflamet, hey, I think it is, that Matzah she'yechoyla lovel edei chimutz, yoytzim ba'yedei cheves matzah. Matzah she'eni yechoyla lovel edei chimutz, en yoytzim ba'yedei cheves matzah. The Gemara learns out from the Pasuk there, it says, le'soychel, so the juxtaposition of the same Pasuk teaches you that the Kiyu Mitzvah's Matzah can only be from a type of food that the Torah has to say, don't make sure it's not Chametz. So for example, let's say I make Matzah from rice, or from potato, or from millet, right? You have rice bread, you have cornbread, yeah? Forget the kidneys issue, talk the Svardim. You take your rice, you grind your rice, you make flour into it, and you make rice Matzah. It's the best matzah in the world. You know why? It can't become chametz. It simply can't become chametz. Rashi says it's a sirchin. It gets, even if it inflates, it's not chametz. Chemically, it's not chametz. It's not the enzymes. It's not chametz. It's the best matzah in the world. You're not yoy to the mitzvah of matzah by the seder. Why? It has to be from something that had the potential to become chametz. So you have grain, you have flour, you have barley, wheat, spelt, etc. You have flour, you mix it with water. It's on the way to become chametz. Now you can be yoy to matzah. 
some Seifa asks, is the Apteravah It would have been much better if the Torah would have said that you can make matzah from something that can't become chametz, because the biggest chash chametz is matzah. The worst problem to eat, the worst thing to eat on Pesach is matzah, of course, because it's the biggest chash chametz is matzah, uh, more than macaroons and uh, other stuff. So, uh, so that's the biggest chash chametz. Nonetheless, only that, only from there you could be mekayim matzah. So the Apterov says in Oyev Yisrael, so I saw it a while ago, it's an interesting vart. He says that chametz is yeshes, chametz represents inflation, ego. Matzah represents deflation, humility. The only way you could be mekayim, the mitzvah of matzah, is something that had the potential to become chametz. If it was something that never had the potential to become chametz, in other words, it's by nature deflated. In other words, it doesn't even have the potential to become chametz. Then there's no significance to the matzah. It's an ish matzah. Practically speaking, you tell a seven-year-old, you're worthless, who cares about you, who cares what you think, who cares what you feel, who... Your whole identity is just one shmat, it's worthless, it's insignificant. Oh, he's going to be very humble. Trust me, he's going to be a humble man. That's not the mitzvah of matzah. Because that's humility that can't come with a chametz. There's no relationship there. There's no self that is transcending itself. There's absolutely no relationship. It's just, you butter. You don't exist. So you can ask a better question. Why does Hashem have to create a neshama? And then the neshama should choose to be included in the source. Destroy it before you create it, and then you'll have bitl, amachaya, <laughs> then nothing exists. So I think that's a very important distinction. If somebody is coming from that paradigm, then there's something essential missing in creation. Chayiv adam loimar bishvili nivraha oilam chazal, say, Masechta Sanhedra. It's a Mishnah. Daflamet Zayin, a person is obligated to say, for me the world was created. The whole yisoid of Bria Sa'olam is that there is tremendous significance and value in the creation of a, in the creation of a human being. Purposefulness and accomplishment and, uh, and meaning in human life. Avas oilam ahavtonu, atavachartonu, aboycha ba'am yisrael ba'ava, etc., etc., we say every morning, I don't say that, uh, you know, my whole existence is nothing. Then, when a person understands this and appreciates this, right, and they evolve, so to speak, and they evolve and they mature and they develop, then there is that moment that the person can choose and say, I want complete truth. I want absolute truth. Not coming because I feel horrible about myself. A little more, I want to say it a little more subtly. And that is, if I'm doing it because I feel like nothing, then I'm not really entering into a relationship with you. Frankly, if you marry somebody because you feel like nothing, and they will give you existence, is it a better relationship? You think? Huh? It's the best relationship. No ego whatsoever. I'm shattered. I don't exist. I don't count. My wife, she's going to live my life for me. I'm going to be bottle by Metzias Mamash. The best relationship, right? No disagreements. <laughs> no ego clashes. No, no fire. Huh? No fire. Is that the only problem? <laughs> so, wh- what would you say about that? There's no boundaries, and I would say just even more than that, not only there's no boundaries, not only is there no boundaries, but actually I'm not, re- I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not having a relationship with you. I'm using you to fill my void. I have a bottomless pit of insecurity. 
So I'm actually manipulating you. I'm not in a relationship with you. I need you to live for me. So I'm going to suck out every piece of energy from you in order to fill my hole, in order to fill my void. I can never be here for you. There's no I even to be here for you. I will forever be parasitic. So this complete, I'll be a parasite. So this complete nullification is really absolute opposite of nullification. It's really the opposite of nullification. You know why? Because since I feel like nothing, so now I need, I need God or my wife, it's the same thing, to fill that sense of nothingness. I'm not really thinking about you. So in, the, in these words, in these words of saying, there's no me, there's only you, sometimes what I'm saying is, this is going to be a relationship where there's going to be no you, only me. You heard what I said? When you say there's no me, only you, sometimes what you're saying is, this is going to be a relationship where there's going to be no you. Only me. Because the whole purpose of you is to give me a me. And you don't have right to existence outside of that. And you all understand that that's not a relationship. So that's the clear distinction between the two. And the same is true with Hashem. The same is true with Hashem. Okay, we'll continue inside. Vizel nafshi visicha balayla, right? You know where we are. Page, uh, page thirty-nine. Chaf, uh, the second column, it's below the middle line of the page. The line starts. Vizel nafshi visicha balayla. So Yeshaya Novi has an expression, Nafshi Visicha Balayla. So as we explained, this is a very profound posik, the way it's interpreted in the Zoyar, a very interesting interpretation. It's not, my soul desires you at night, because grammatically that's not what it says. It says, my soul, I desire you at night, which is a redundancy. You have the same redundancy in Parshas Vayetzeh. In Hebrew, you cannot speak like that. Either you say, or, right? You don't say, and I, I did not know. In poetry, maybe it works, right? And I, comma, I did not know. But, but, Huh? But in, in, in Diktuk, right? Once you say, but you could say loyadati. I didn't know loyadati. I didn't know. Huh? What? Yeah, the Panami office asks it over there. The Panami office, I think, you know, the Panami office, the Balafla, the Pinchas Halevi Ish Horowitz, the author of Sefer Amakin on Kedushin of Long Subas, from the Talmudim of the Magid, the Rebbe of the Chasam Sefer, the Balafla. He has a safer panami office. So he teaches. He teaches a word there. Vanoichi loyadati means I did not know the anoichi. I was not aware of the anoichi. Yitoifus. How do you know Hashem is in a place when you're not aware of the anoichi? When you lose your self consciousness. 
the sense of separateness, self I became unaware of the anoichi. So here the Zoya says, Nafshi visicha balayla doesn't mean I, I desire you. It means Nafshi is not you. Nafshi is talking about Hashem. Because you are my soul, therefore ivisicha. You are my soul. A person loves his soul. Call soul life force. Who doesn't love their life force? Who doesn't love the, the consciousness, their energy, their chiyos, their heartbeat, the life in their brain? The human being is reflecting on life. And he turns to the Creator and he says, Nafshi, since you are my soul, thus Evi Sicha I desire. You are my soul. You are my energy. You are the battery of my reality. Nafshi Visicha Balela, Yishaya Hanavi. Yishaya Hanavi. You want to look it up? Yeah, you want to look it up? Perek Chavav, Yeshaya Perek Chavav, Pasuk Tes. So he says, that's Balayla. Why is it called Balayla? Shepchines Avazunikra Adayin Layla Hi Avashal Chayshach. This is a love that's still in a state of darkness, meaning it's a lower form of consciousness. It's a darker form of consciousness. Relatively speaking, it's a more primitive Av, Avazuta. Why do we call it Chayshach? Because it's Almanas Lekabel Pras. I make the tuffle the ikr. What I want is, I want nafshi. I'm looking from my soul. I'm looking from my fulfillment. I'm looking from my inspiration. I'm looking from my depth. No small feat. Tremendous madrega. But it's called almanas lekabel pras. Ultimately, I want the tuffle. I want to be there for the party. I want to be there for the experience. I want you. And I want to hold on to you. Nafshi v'sicha. This is a gather of Laila. This come brings us back to the discussion how he went into this whole sugya. The Gemara tells us in Masechus Nid, Isha Mazras Tchila Yeleda When the woman is Mazriat Tchila, she generates the orgasmic flow first. Yeleda Zachar, the birth, the baby that comes is a male. Mashenk in the Gemara continues, When the man generates the flow first, his wife gives birth to the female, to a girl. To the Gemara says this in the Sechistid on the Pasach, and we know the words are completely superfluous. It could say, When a woman gives birth to a Zacher, we know that it's a process. The Torah is not here to tell us the whole biological process. We know she doesn't just give birth from a vacuum. There's a process of tazria, and there's there's, there's more than tazria, right? There's uh, there's there's a whole develop, there's a whole just gestation, pregnancy, development, etc. Why does the Torah say isha ki tazria zachar? What's the vart? So Reb Shloim saw in this the issues dealing with in vitro fertilization IVF. The Torah is trying to say that it's based on Kisazria, because it's the big question, who is considered a real mother? Who is considered a real mother with IVF? So he interestingly brought this Pasuk, Isha Kisazria, Vyalda Zacher. The Gemara says in Nida, what the Chazalach, what the Pasuk is trying to say is, tell us a vart. Isha Mazras, Tchila, 
then the Zohar. Here we're applying this metaf- this idea as a metaphor in the spiritual life of the Jew. There's two states. There's Isha Kisazriya, Isha Mazraschil, Isha Mazraschil. Isha Mazraschil means this Oirus, the inspiration is initiated, the arousal is initiated by the Jew. Isha Mazraschil means the inspiration is initiated above. Isarusa de la versus Isarusa de la Sat. So he says. The love and the awe that a human being arouses in his soul. Isarusa de Lasata is an Aramaic term which means his oiris from below. Sata in Aramaic is below. My love, of course, is above. So you have Isarusa de la Sata, the inspiration from below. Isarusa de la Ela is the inspiration from above. So generally, he says, the Ava Vihir that a person is moited in himself is only a Hachan. It's Isarusa de la Sata for the Ava Vihir that comes from above. Isarusa de la Ela. This initiates. I initiate closeness to you, and as a result, you reciprocate. Love towards me. So this is Sarusa de la Sata and Sarusa de la Ela. So this Sarusa de la Sata is the Avaviyirav that comes from a person, which then becomes a receptacle or a container that initiates the Avaviyirav that comes as a gift from above. Every Avaida that a person does below, it triggers a response from above. The Gemara says in Yuma, Adam Mekadish es Atzmoy Ma'at Melmata. But this is initiated by me. It's initiated by the person. It's not that you wake up and you have this major flow of inspiration. That's a gift. It's a person's avoider. The person works on themselves. The person works on their own character, on their own refinement, on their own avoider. This is the Sarusa de Lusata. He says, If the Isha Mazras Tchila, the woman, begins the process... She initiates the relationship, meaning, a person, from the word a person, he works on himself, he toils with himself, to give birth to love and awe, from the spirit of his understanding, the person is working on himself, he, he focuses, he meditates, he's mindful, and he's he challenges himself, he challenges his habits, he challenges his addictions, he challenges his cravings, he challenges his superficial instincts, he challenges his sluggishness, and he focuses and he uses his bina to be moiled. This is Isha Mazras Tchila. She is initiating the relationship. She's focused on it. She's working on it. She tunes into it, and she wants to make it happen. Azai nimshechei sarusadullah then the response, Milmail, the response of the husband, so to speak, comes from a very deep and lofty space. The ur, the light and the chios that the infinite one gives the Jew flows, comes from a place that's called Pnimius Urvachayas, from his essence, from his core. So therefore, what's the baby? What's the child? The child is a zacher. What's the child? The child is a zacher. Again, metaphoric. Sheyara lav ruach mimar. 
he's given a gift, a spirit from above, that the love that comes from this is what love? The Aver The Aver is the excessive, the abundant love. Beyond the comprehension of his own soul. As he said before, that he desires to be submerged and to be drawn into the very essence of the king. Since it began with Isha since it began, whatever begins with the person, now the flow that comes as a reciprocal response to the person is completely of a different nature. It's completely of a different caliber. What you're getting is the real depth. You tuned into the real depth. Because it came from you, it came from your initiation. So therefore, what you're getting is Isha Masras Tchila Yoledes Zachar. The result of God that's going to be is what type of Ava, what type of inspiration? That which is the level of Zachar. Beyond the Daitan Kala, that which you're looking not le Kabul Pras, but le Shtava Begufa Malk. However, but sometimes in life, even though there's absolutely no arousal from below, nonetheless, the husband initiates the relationship. He in- initiates the inspiration, the intimacy, the excitement. comes forth to be Sometimes this happens in life. A person experiences an arousal, not that they worked on it, they didn't do anything. Something happens and they experience a gift, a light, a brightness, a luminescence, a feeling of ease, a feeling of inspiration, a certain elevation. It may be in a feeling, it may be in an event, it may be in an encounter, it may be in an experience. It may come out of the blue, they don't even understand what it is. This is called Isarusa de la Eila. I didn't do anything for it. Sometimes I'm given on a platter something from above. This is to be the relationship is now coming from above, inviting you in, summoning you in. This is Pshat, the Ish is Mazriyat Chila. The Ish, which represents Hashem, the Chasen, He creates the Zera. He, cre- he creates the flow. This is Sarusa On one hand, it's so much more Geshmak. You know, you're, you're just invited to the party. You're invited to the Shmogas board. Here, eat, free lunch. But Kivan Shinim Shechas believes Sarusa Since it came forth without the arousal from below, Ultimately, it comes from a more external level of light, from a more external level of energy from the Ain't Even though this also creates an arousal from below, because when you're given light, when you're shown a light, it inspires you, it triggers you, you come close. We're not talking about somebody who's closed down, apathetic. There's going to be a birth. There's going to be a product. There will be results. Nonetheless, take out the word, nonetheless. There will be a Why? Because there is a that's like male and female. There is an intimacy here. And for birth to happen, you need the masculine and the feminine encounter. Spiritually, you need the and the question is, who does it first? Just like a child. You need mother, and you need tati, and you need mama. You need the husband, and you need the wife. The question is, who triggered the process? Who initiated the flow? So the 
in both cases, either it starts with her and he comes along, either it starts with him and she comes along, or at least so we hope. So nonetheless, in both situations, they ultimately come together to create a child. The question is only who created the process. So here too, even if it starts with him, ultimately it arouses her, the Knesset Yisrael, it's arousal of the Satan. So there's going to be birth. But the birth will be which represents the Avazuta, the second type of love we discussed. What's this love about? I want to quench my thirst. That's Nafshi Visicha. I want you because I'm thirsty for you. The person is not ready to experience pouring out the soul in a state of bitul hasaga. Bitul hasaga means that my comprehension is nullified in the sense that there's no separate state of I because my brain cannot wrap itself around this experience. So therefore what happens is bitul hasaga kinei b'fnei avuka like the flame in the presence of the bonfire. Ah. You want to know what a Sarusa de Lasata is? No, a Sarusa de Layla is what comes from above. You want to know what a Sarusa de Lasata is? There's a marshal from Aaron Karliner, Aaron Hagadal of Karlin. You know who Rabbi Aaron Karlina was? Rabbi Aaron Karlina was from the senior students of the Maggid of Mizrich and a very close friend, <coughs> older, older, but close to the Balatanya, very close. He's known as Rabbi Aaron Hagodl, Rabbi Aaron, the great Rabbi Aaron, Rabbi Aaron Hagodl of Karlin. He passed away very young age, I think at the age of 36. He was in the middle of davening, Cholamoyed Pesach. And... Uh, he left a little Yosem, so he was succeeded by his student, Reb Shleimah of Karlin, who was killed, who was killed by a Kozak, Tovkov Nun Beis, uh, 1792. But Reb Aaron Karlin had passed away either before, right before the Magad, right after uh, Tovkov, I think Pesach, Tovkov Lamed Beis, 1772 around. Baron of Karlin was a shtick fire. He was a shtick fire. You have to understand who he was. Uh, they once asked the Balatanya to describe his year Shemayim, so he said... That the Baron Kalin Yerushalayim was like somebody who was uh, taken to be shot by the Tsar's firing squad, mm-hmm. and they put him at the target, and the shooters are about to pull the trigger. So he says the fear that the person experiences that moment that was the Baron of Kalin Yerushalayim when he was in a primitive state of consciousness, what he calls Moichin the Katnos. They asked the Balatanya, so what was his Yerushalayim when he was in a state of Moichin the Godless? He says, you'll never understand, so I'm not even going to try. That was his response. It's brought in one of his biographies called Base Rebbe. So there's a vart from him. They say a vart, very, very powerful vart. There was a Yid who came to him, a Balchuva, who came to him. It's actually a very contemporary vart as well. And he, he complained, he lamented. He said when he did Shuva, he had a tremendous geshmak in Yiddishkeit. 
right? Which we see often a person discovers, you know, the first time they see a Shabbos table and they're amazed. Children are sitting around the table eating a filter fish, saying Divrei Torah, singing Nigunim, nobody's texting, television is not on. And probably, I would say, a very significant percent of Bali Tshuva become Bali Tshuva between the chicken and the soup, or between the fish and the chicken, anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, a significant amount, because it's not, it's the ambiance, the atmosphere, the gift. Of course, at that point, they think that this is a perfect world. It's a perfect universe. Everybody is idealistic. Everybody is pure. Everybody gets along. The harmony in the homes and the families and the communities, it's extraordinary. And I don't mean to be cynical, they buy into it. And they transform their whole lives. And then after a few years, hopefully after a few years, sometimes after a few months, they realize it's not such a perfect world. And they sometimes got to revisit their own relationship with God and understand that things are a little more complex than they meet the eye because, you know, picture-perfect realities are only that, picture-perfect. So this Yid comes to the Baron Karlin and he says when he started, became a Baal he was inspired. He would daven with Achius and he would learn with Achius and he had a relationship with Hashem. Everything of mitzvah was with a geschmack and a delight. He says, now it's been many years, and he feels dead, numb, lifeless, cold, apathetic, indifferent, detached. This is his question to Reb Aaron of Kala. Reb Aaron told him there's a posik in Kohelis. Al-Toymar, Shleim HaMelech says, it's a, major, a very powerful posik. Al-Toymar, don't say. Al-Ma Yamim Arishonim Ayutoyvim all people have a tendency to talk about the good old days. The good old days. What makes them good is only that they're old. They're not here anymore. Because as you know, the old days were not so good, and they were not so beautiful, but they're not here, so you could be nostalgic about them, right? What's happening right now, you can't be nostalgic because it's happening now. <laughs> but 50 years ago, oh my God, Unbelievable. But 50 years ago, they were complaining about 50 years before that. So we're not sure exactly when were the good old days. Maybe in the Garden of Eden, before the Nachash. But Adam didn't like that either. So we're not sure exactly. You know, you go back. The good old days. So Shleim HaMelech says, don't say, why is it that Yom HaMarishoyim, the first days were toivim, they were so much better. It's not a question coming from wisdom. That's what he says. It's obviously an ambiguous posik. Says Rebbein and Kalina, what does he mean? He says he's referring to your question, your dilemma, your problem. And this is, he says, he says, Emshel HaMashal, I'll give you a marshal. There was a wealthy man in the community who was very generous. He was a philanthropist. He was at a caring heart. And he looked at two Yidin who were both poverty-stricken individuals. They did not own a ruble to their name, and they had big families. He calls them both in one day to his chambers. He gives them each separately 50,000 ruble, which would basically be giving somebody, you know, $100,000 seed money, $200,000 seed money. He says, here, go. Go build yourself a life. Build yourself a business. Make investments. Do something. Here you have good seed money as a loan. God willing, you'll do well, and one day you'll pay me back the loan. You'll have enough interest, and you'll produce enough that this money you'll be able to give back. 
They both thank him excessively. Says if Iron Kalina, one person takes $100,000, he can't believe his mazel. So first of all, he buys the necessities. He needs a little food. The kids need new shoes. He fixes the leak in the house so it shouldn't, shouldn't rain into the dining room and the bedroom. He fixes up whatever he has, minimal. And then he takes the money, you know, he... Tries a, a, a shutfus here, a business here, opens up uh, some little store, and slowly, slowly, he's generating a little, little profit. And still, he has a lot of money to use, and he invests more, and he invests more. And whenever he makes a little money, if he has extra, he puts it away. He puts it away. And so, after two or three years, this man becomes a successful person. And he has enough money, he goes back to the Gvir after three years. He says, here's your $100,000. And the man is so inspired by him, he says, you know what? It's a gift. Take it, use it, become even more successful and even bigger. It's a gift. Shine. Second person also gets the $100,000. Let's say call it 50,000 rubles. Oh, he's a gvir. First thing is, he buys mafta yaina, psicha ne'ila, becomes the honoree at the dinner buys himself a tuxedo and the 3000 of course $3,000 suits, the best of the best, buys the fanciest home on uh, Forche, uh, gets himself, you know, the front seat in Shul. He's now the Rabban Shalkal Benayagayla. He, he becomes the Rosh Hakol. He runs for the Rosh Hakol, dresses his kids beautifully. The problem is the money, the money is running out. And after a year and a half, he's left with garnished, Nothing, nothing. He comes to the Gvir and he says, I need another halvon. <laughs> I need another loan. The money is running. And now, you know, my budget is much bigger. I have to maintain a lifestyle. The guy says, not only am I not giving you another loan, I want back the last, I don't care what you do. I want back the last penny. Sell all the garbage that you bought to decorate your life and give it back to me. I want, I want. He was very upset with this is the marshal. You understand the nimshul? <laughs> the Bari Kalina said, this is life. This is life. At some point, a person has a sarusa de la'ela. There's a point in life that the Rebbeinu Shalom says, here, here's money. What's money? Money is aven yir. Kesef is aven zov is yir. Here, here's a little dosage of inspiration. A little dosage of elevation. Take it. It's borrowed money. It's not yours. It's borrowed money. Now there's two types of people. One person knows that it's borrowed money. So what do they do? They know they have to make it on their own. So they use this as seed money to inspire their own movement, to make a dent within their own life, within their own lifestyle, within their habits. They make a dent within themselves so that it starts becoming a source that generates its own money from within. And then after they are successful, they're successful, they come back and they want to give back the money and Hashem says, keep it. You could keep that inspiration too. There's another person also gets the same loan, but he takes it for granted. He thinks it's his own money. So he starts spending it, squandering it. Nothing was really his. It was a flow, it was a gift. And the money is depleted and he's left mamish with nothing. Called kireach mikano mikan. Dr. Byron, you're coming to me and you're saying you're not inspired anymore. So now back to the posik. Shleim HaMelech says, Al-Toymar, don't say, Why is it that in the first days, in the early days, I was uplifted, I was elevated, I had a chiyus, I was inspired. 
the inspiration did not come from your own wisdom. Sha'alta alza. You borrowed it. Sha'alta not from Sha'alta question, Sha'alta from the word Shoyal, a borrower. So we learn Kiloy me Chachma Sha'alta alza. You're not asking it from Chachma. No, Kiloy me Chachma. It didn't come from Chachma. Sha'alta alza. It was borrowed. It was borrowed. Borrowed money is easy. You have a huge chunk of money. It's not yours. Somebody else gave it to you. Of course you were inspired. But after a certain point, it has to become your own money. For it to become your own money, you have to internalize it. To internalize it, it has to be part of your system. To become part of your system, it's like we spoke last week, if you want to get the log on fire versus the the kerosene is going to make a fire. But if you want to get the log on fire... Much more difficult. It's tedious. You got to splinter the log until you catch the log on fire. But when the log is on fire, it's on fire. You're generating the money yourself. So on one hand, it's easy to look back and say, "Ah, it was so gishmak." Of course, it was gishmak. It wasn't yours. But to make it yours is a challenge that's unique. They say a marshal from the Balshamtiv, a similar vein. He once told somebody that uh, you know, uh, you know, you go into certain restaurants or stores. Uh, Evergreen has it, and they let you taste, right? They have a whole display of Shvogas board, and people, some people come Friday afternoon, they have a whole avoid of Tayameh, three hours, they taste everything, they go, and since it's a big store, so Baruch Hashem, they eat up all Shalashudas of Shabbos, they don't have to eat on Shabbos, because there's enough. So anyway, so the Tayameh, so this Jew comes in, he's hungry, and he sees everyone is... So and it's all free. People eat and they leave. Wow, this guy's a real machnesarich, like Avram Avinu. So he takes a plate, he fills it up, one plate with chicken and one plate with meat and one plate with salads and one plate with rice and outs. And he eats a whole huge suda. And he finishes and he leaves. The owner starts chasing him. He says, Gneva, Gzela, give me my money. He says, why are you discriminating? You're an anti-Semite. Why are you discriminating against me? Everybody here came in and ate free. He says, no, 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 no. Big difference. They, I gave samplings. They had a sample. Why? Because I want to trigger their appetite. I want to show that it's good food. I want to inspire them to buy. You take a whole big meal. It doesn't work that way. So Baal Shem Tev says, when a yid comes into Hashem's restaurant the first time, Hashem says, Here, here's some food for free. Because he wants to show them that it's gishmak. Tamu Hashem. So he says, when you did shuva, he gave you a gift of inspiration. He wanted to show you his goodbye. But why? Only that you should ultimately earn the food. You should make it yours. You should pay for it. How do you pay for it? You pay for it by making it yours. You own it. How do you own it? It's internalized within your psyche, within your system. So you get a sampling for free, but you want to eat a whole meal? This ultimately has to be yours. So Baron Karlina says, That's the process. So these are the two stages we're describing here. Isarusa de Lasata versus Isarusa de Leila. Isarusa de Leila happens in life, nobody knows when it happens. It happens. Everyone knows in their life there's different experiences. You go through something very positive, go through something very thrilling, an enjoyable moment, sometimes a challenging moment. Sometimes you're sitting on a couch, it could be a Wednesday after. Nobody knows how this works with the Layla. Hashem reaches out, He says, I want a relationship with you. I want a relationship. So here's the difference. The fact that this, if the Shusha Layla doesn't trigger anything, then there's not going to be any birth. <laughs> there won't be results. You get the money. It feels good for an hour or two. Call it a mystical moment, a mystical experience. And it feels good. 
but the log was never on fire. It was just kerosene, you know. He poured a lot of gas, a lot of kerosene, and therefore there was a beautiful flame, but it was no, it was not sustainable. There has to be a marriage between Ish and Isha. I have to now take it and make it mine. But here's the question. If it starts off with you, it has a whole different result. Ah, it's a whole different result. It's a different experience. It's a different experience. I'll give a simple example in another area, but you'll see maybe, let's say you did something, you ba'avled somebody, you did something wrong to somebody, right? They confront you, and you apologize. You apologize sincerely, but it's not like when you initiate, and you call them and you say, I want to apologize. You understand it's a different reality. Why? In both you responded. I'm not talking about the second case, the, person, the first case the person was not really, it was real. But you reached out, and I responded. So that which I get from you as a result is a more external level. When you start the process, when it's Arusa de la Sata precedes Arusa de la Ela, in other words, I was not given anything. I completely begin the climb on my own. On the contrary, I start with nothing. It's not I got this tremendous flow and I run with it. Okay, Givaldic. You actually initiate it. This, in a paradoxical, not paradox, in a profound way, he says, it touches the pnimius of the Ein Saif. So the response, the love, is given from the pnimius. When the pnimius is given to you, you have the Iker, this is already Avarabha. This is Avarabha because I'm not, I'm not going gonna, I'm not gonna to go for the pras. I don't want the pras. But if I don't get the pnimius, I only get the chitzonis, the ziv. The ziv, oh, the ziv is very geschmack. So then I'm, I'm, I'm motivated by the Ziv. Why does the Sarusadala Ela that precedes Sarusadala Tata touch, touch the Pnimius? The answer is, he says elsewhere, look at the because since the ultimate objective of creation of the world was a relationship with the person, the Avoida of the person, so therefore when the person reaches out for a relationship, it touches, so to speak, Hashem in a far deeper space, if we can express ourselves that way, than the relationship that is initiated from him. The relationship that's initiated from the person ultimately represents and touches the ultimate objective of Bria Sa'olam, that Kevayachal inspired Hashem L'chathchila to create the world. So therefore, that movement in that direction triggers something from the deepest depths. So therefore, the Yoledes, the Hoylada from there, Isha Mazras Tchila Yoledes Isha Mazriya Tchila. It's also no small thing, because the woman responds. There's always, we're talking about that there's a Sarusad Lasata. We're not talking about you take the money and you run with it and you do nothing with it and then it just dissolves after a day. But then it's Yoledes Nekeva. So it's two stages. So when somebody is feeling nothing and they start the whole process from themselves, this actually produces something far deeper and greater than that which begins from the flow above. Where does that phrase come from? It's a Pesach in Eoiv. L'masei yadecha tichsoif. So the Balatanya explains it elsewhere that he craves the work of your hands. He wants you. The real relationship is you. Ultimately, is me. You know, I'm I'm inspiring you. is all about you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net/slash/donate.